turn to uh, John chapter 21 this evening. John chapter 21. Pastor Art has taken a few days, even from Sunday afternoon till, till tonight, uh, to rest. And, and um, he'll be back here on Friday, so he's excited to be here. I'm sorry, on Sunday. We'll be back on Sunday. Mario said that uh, it's exciting to be here after running through traffic, and there was traffic today. I know a few of us are trickling in from uh, from that traffic. There was an accident, and uh, exiting the, the ramp after finally getting here, there's a car on fire. Um, so, um, but we're here, and, and we're thankful to be here now. We've been going through different characters in the Bible, right? The last few weeks, all of the month of October, it's been a blessing uh, to go through these different characters in the Old Testament. And in the new, and, and what we can glean, what we can learn from them as well. Uh, so today we're going to be uh, in the Gospel of John, uh, speaking about the Apostle, the Disciple John, uh, which is one of my favorite characters. I think that of all the disciples, uh, Peter, I'm sorry, I was speaking about Peter. We're going to be in the Gospel of John, speaking about the Apostle Peter. And I think Peter, uh, for many of us, for most of us, is, a, um, is the disciple of whom all of us can relate to. He's, he's very much like a lot of us. But we know about Peter, a little bit of his background and context to what we're going to get into. Peter was a fisherman. He was called uh, by Jesus to be one of his 12 disciples. If you notice, you don't have to turn there, but in Matthew 18, uh, Matthew 4, verse 18 to 20, it says that now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen, and he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. We see that Peter is called out of his secular uh, profession to follow Jesus as a disciple. He was a fisherman, and we notice that he leaves his work immediately at the call of Jesus to follow him. It says immediately they left their nets and they followed Jesus. Um, and then we see in... in uh, we see that his name, and we notice in, in the Gospel of Matthew that his name is Andrew. It wasn't Peter. But we know that his name before Christ was Andrew. But then Jesus changes his name to Peter in John chapter 1, verse 42. It says, And when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall now be called Cephas, which is translated stone. Cephas is Aramaic. In Greek, it's Petros. In English, is what we now know as Peter. So Jesus calls Peter out of a life or the lifestyle of fishing, his secular profession, to follow him as a disciple. He changes his name from Andrew to Peter, which means stone. And Peter later on, not in the three years of ministry that he has with Jesus, but after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension to heaven, Peter later on, after that time, he later does live up to his name that Jesus gives him. He becomes an immovable stone, a pioneer in the first church for Jesus. Um, and that's what we'll notice later on. We'll learn about the life of Peter throughout the four Gospels and out of all the disciples of Jesus that many of us, like I mentioned earlier, can most relate to Peter. Because Peter, man, it's funny. He, he like many of us, responded to the call of Jesus. We see in his first three years of early Christianity. He has a genuine love for Jesus, like many of us. Uh, but like many of us, he acts out of zeal. Zeal meaning enthusiasm, energy, right? In pursuit of Jesus, he acts out of zeal or immaturity. Um, he overestimates himself and underestimates temptation. 
You guys remember your first few years in, in walking with the Lord, that that was the case, right? Peter un, uh, overestimates himself, underestimates temptation. He thinks more. He thinks he's more committed than he really is. He thinks he loves the Lord more than he actually does. And although many times this is the character of Peter that we often remember, an impulsive, maybe hard-headed, and maybe overzealous character, it, it is also a character full of faith. But the zealous or impulsive uh, steps that Peter took he, were steps full of faith and out of love for Jesus. You notice throughout the Gospels that although his steps were zealous, they were out of love, they were out of uh, an affection for Jesus. They were full of faith. And for three years we see that this character of, of Jesus, I'm sorry, of Peter, as he serves and learns from Jesus. But today we're going to look at the last recorded conversation with Peter and with Jesus in the Gospels. The last conversation that Peter has with Jesus, we are going to look at today after three and a half years of sleeping, of doing ministry, of spending time with Jesus. Today, uh, after Jesus already died, he resurrected, and now he's having, he, had, he just finished having breakfast with all 11 disciples now because Jesus, I'm sorry, Judas has already left. And then he has a conversation with Peter. And Jesus will challenge uh, Peter's character in this conversation. He will call him from a life now of zealousness to seriousness, to maturity. He's going to call him from a life of being passionate. As we see in Peter's life, he was very passionate to a life that's now devoted to Jesus. He's going to call him from excitement to now commitment. He wants his heart. And lastly, we're going to see that, that Jesus will call out of Peter a life of being flattering with his mouth to being focused in his heart. And don't those things resonate with me and you today? We can live a life that's passionate, that's excited, right? That's, that's uh, you know, full of zealousness. But is there seriousness? Is there maturity? Is there commitment? Is there a devotion? And so many times, just like Peter, and we see throughout his whole life, is that we can flatter the Lord with our mouths and not be really focused in our hearts when the trials and the temptations and when it comes down to stand for God as Jesus, I'm sorry, as Peter had that opportunity, and he wasn't focused. It was a flattering of his mouth. It was a lip service. We're going to read uh, verses 1 through 14 here in uh, chapter 21, John chapter 21. But we're really, what we're going to spend time on is verses 15 towards the end of the chapter. But if you can read with me here, John chapter 21 Verses uh, or verse one, it says, "After these things, after these things, meaning after Jesus, Jesus had just appeared to his disciples two times. This is the third time that he will. But it says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again a third time to the disciples in the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, <clears throat> Simon Peter Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee." And the two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to him, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you. We are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat that night and they caught nothing. But in the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on, on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, 
Uh, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged or threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals, and there the fish laid on it, uh, and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net into the land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. And Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come before you, God, this evening. Lord, we want to glean from you. Lord, we want to hear from you. We want you to minister to our hearts. We want you to speak to us, Lord, loud and clear through your word, God. As the third time that you appear to your disciples, Lord, before you ascend to heaven, as you have this conversation with Peter, as you call from Peter a commitment and a, a calling to follow you, Lord, we ask, God, that we would be diligent, Lord, to submit to that calling in our lives as well. Minister to our hearts, Lord, as we open your word, as we study your word. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So what do we see in the first 14 verses? Peter had gone back to fishing. Three years prior, it says that Jesus saw Peter and his brother, on, or actually a few disciples on a boat fishing. That's what they did. That was their profession. Jesus looked at them on the boat and said, follow me. And it says that they immediately left their profession to follow Jesus. Three and a half years later, you guys remember, if you guys know the story, right? G uh, Peter had just finished denying Jesus three different times. Now he finds himself leading the disciples back to fishing where Jesus had called them out of. And now Jesus meets them at the shore. John recognizes that it's Jesus. Peter throws himself into the sea. He swims to the shore. And now Jesus is having breakfast with them. Can you imagine being Peter? Uh, because just a few weeks prior, he had just denied uh, the Lord. He had just denied him and he hasn't had a conversation with him. Um, yet, he hasn't had a conversation, but he's going to now. This is the third appearance, uh, the third appearance to his disciples since his resurrection. And the first conversation with Peter after uh, Peter had denied him. And we're going to see that Jesus is going to not only restore uh, the relationship with Peter, um, as he does with us when we deny him, when we fail him. But he's also going to recommission Peter to follow him. He says, Peter, you backslid. Now you're disobeying me because you went back to fishing. I'm going to restore you back to me, but I'm also going to call you back into the ministry. I'm going to allow you to serve me again. See, Peter had failed Jesus. Jesus is calling on his life, which is the same calling that me and you have today. If you remember throughout the Gospels, Jesus is teaching. What does Jesus say? He says that we are, if we are to follow him, we will find our lives by losing them. 
Jesus says that we will be fulfilled in our lives by ending them. We will live our life by actually dying to it, by dying to self. Peter had heard for the last three and a half years from Jesus that if you want to follow him, you have to first deny yourself, pick up your cross, and then you can follow him. This is the same calling that Jesus calls me and you today. Those things. This is an extreme call to follow Jesus. Who, who other else says these things? Says that you have to find your life by losing it. Right? That you are going to be fulfilled in your life by emptying it. That you have to first deny yourself, pick up your cross, and then you can follow them. This is an extreme call to follow Jesus. He's calling us what to abandon our ambitions, our desires, control, and to become slaves of Him. And you have to ask yourself first, before verse 15, what is the motive that would cause someone to follow Christ to this degree? It is a, a huge degree, right? And we learned that the, the, the disciples, they all followed Jesus to this extent until they died, including Peter. And the motive is what? Love. That is the only power that can motivate this kind of devotion, love. And that is why Jesus will question Peter's love for him. Three different times, one for each occasion of denial. Because love is the only power that can motivate this kind of devotion, this kind of life, this kind of commitment. Jesus will question Peter's love for him. And I think that it's appropriate that he questions our love for him tonight. And in the process of Peter's restoration... Uh, that we will see tonight, his conversation with Jesus, we're going to see that what it is essentially a call to faithfulness for any believer. A call to faithfulness. We're going to see what that looks like, what a committed Christian looks like. And that is composed, that calling, a call to follow Jesus, a call to follow Christ, is composed, I think in this passage, in three different components or three different characteristics. One is... A life that's, that loves Christ, of course. A life that's willing to sacrifice for Christ. And a life that's willing to follow Christ no matter what. And we're going to see this in, in, these, uh, in these next few verses. Look what it says now in verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. You notice in verse 1 that Jesus, if you remember that Jesus changed Peter's name from Simon to Peter. And now at the end of three and a half years of ministry, Jesus calls Peter by his first name, by his name before Christ, he says, Simon, son of Jonah. He doesn't call him Peter, and that's the name that Jesus had given him. It's like a mother calling their child by their full name because they're in trouble or asked to call their attention. He says, Simon, son of Jonah. Now, you knew, Peter knew this was coming. This conversation was coming. He had denied Jesus. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Let's pause there. That's the first half of the question. Do you love me? And if in, in Greek, because in English we use the word love, we love pizza, we love God. Obviously that doesn't mean the same thing, right? It's not the same type of love. In Greek though, the 
The word love that Jesus uses is the word agapas or agape, which means it's an unconditional, uh, sacrificial, selfless love, which is the same love that Jesus had for us, and therefore he was sacrificial, selfless, and unconditional on the cross. And Jesus wants to know if that's the same love that Peter had for him, if that's the same love that me and you have for him. Because just like Peter, me and you proclaim that all day. And he says, Peter, do you love me? See, this question was appropriate because for all of Peter's life, this is what Peter proclaimed. His faith and love for Jesus. But he had failed to demonstrate that recently. And we look at an example in John chapter 6. You don't have to turn there. But in John chapter 6, when there's multitudes arising, there's multitudes that are gathering to follow Jesus. This is the beginning of his ministry. And Jesus is doing miracles and people are gathering together. And we know that throughout the ministry and the life of Jesus, he never cared about the crowds. He always cared about the heart. And in the multitudes that are following Jesus and the miracles that are happening, Jesus starts to preach. And he says that unless you're willing to eat of my flesh and unless you're willing to drink of my blood, unless you're willing to have relationship with me, then you can't follow me. And it says there in John chapter 6, you can read it tonight yourself. At the end of that chapter, it says that many disciples left him when Jesus started to say, hey, that's offensive. Man, I was about here for the miracles. You want me to what? Have a relationship with you? You want me to commit to you? I was here for the hype. And it says that Jesus looks over at his 12 disciples. After everyone's walking away, Jesus looks over at his 12, at his inner circle. And he says, hey, do you guys want to leave also? Just like the rest of them? And we see that Peter speaks up. Man, he always speaks up. He always wants to be the first to speak up throughout his life. And he speaks up with excitement, with love, and with zeal, right? Impulsive. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Man, weren't those the perfect words to tell Jesus? Because it was true. That's fact. Jesus is that, in fact. And, and Peter knew the words to say. This was an impulsive, zealous response, but out of genuine affection. Did Peter love Jesus? Absolutely. Did he have an affection for Jesus? Absolutely. But we notice that Jesus is questioning his love, but he, because it wasn't the love that Jesus was requiring of him. It wasn't selfless. It wasn't unconditional. It was very much conditional. And we're going to see that in a moment. But his impulsive response was out of genuine affection. And although Peter's love was genuine, it was yet, it was not yet a total and committed love. At least not the love that Jesus required. It wasn't unconditional. It wasn't sacrificial. It wasn't selfless. There was conditions. And that comes to our first point. The same question that Jesus has Peter, he'll ask me and you today. Because Peter was three years into the ministry. Peter was three years into following Christ. You might be a year, three years, ten years. It's the same questions that we that, that Jesus is asking me and you today. Chris, for your name, do you love me? Do you love me unconditionally, sacri uh, sacrificially and selflessly? And it draws us, it brings us to the first point of tonight that a committed Christian lives a life that is compelled, that is driven, that is forced by love for Christ. In the, call, in the calling of Jesus to Peter to follow him, the first thing that Jesus wanted to know is, is your life now driven? Is it forced? Is it, is it compelled by your love for me? 
And that is a question that me and you have to ask ourselves today. Because just like Peter, it's very easy to say, yes, yes it is. Right, but that wasn't the case. A committed Christian lives a life that is compelled by love, that it is driven by love for Jesus. But the second half of that question says what? Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? It is believed that Jesus was referring to the boat, to the fishing, to a net full of fishes. Right? It says that the, that the net was full of fishes. Right? Uh, it, it's believed that Jesus might be referring to the boat, to the fishing, to the net full of fishes, which represented success in the world for people of that trade. Imagine being a fisherman, and now you're pulling in a net to shore that's full. It's like today closing a major deal in business, a multi-million dollar deal. Peter just closed it in fishing, in his trade, in his profession. He just closed the biggest deal. He's, most, he's the most successful man in his industry. And Peter had just returned to his profession. Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, do you love me? That's one. I want to know if you're committed to me, if you love me unconditionally. But two... If your answer is yes, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the boat? Do you love me more than your profession? Do you love me more than this deal, this, all these fishes? Do you love me more than these? See, first, Peter had denied Jesus three times, and now he had to disobey Jesus by returning to his former profession. And after three years of serving Jesus, of following Jesus, and after any amount of time that me and you have been following him, the same question applies to me and you. What are the these in your life? What are the these in my life? The these represent your former life. Jesus is asking Peter. Jesus is asking me and you. Do you love me enough to walk away from all of this? Do you love me enough to walk away from these, Peter? Because I called you out of this three years ago. Do you love me more than these? Now to you and me, to you and I, do you love God? Do I love Jesus more than these? What are the these in your life that represent where God called you out of? Is it success? Is it love? What is it that in the world that you have to compare your love for Christ for? This is how all Christian commitment starts. Do you love God more than blank? This is how all Christian commitment starts. When you came to Jesus, if you remember the time you came to Jesus, guaranteed that question crossed your mind. Do I love God more than this? Am I willing to give up this? Am I willing to sacrifice this in order for me to follow Jesus? And first Jesus says, do you love me? But now are you willing to sacrifice for me? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than this lifestyle, than this business, than this thing? Peter. The first thing we see in this context is that a, a committed Christian lives a life that is compelled by love for Christ, but now a committed Christian lives a life that is characterized by sacrifice for Christ. A life that is compelled for love for Christ, and a life that is characterized by sacrifice for Christ. A, a life that's characterized by sacrifice, by self-denial. And we notice now in that same verse, in verse 15, that Peter says, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. Peter responds not with an agape love, which Jesus is asking, an unconditional love. Peter responds with a phileo type of love, which speaks of brotherly love. 
an affectionate love, a conditional love, not unconditional. Jesus says, do you love me unconditionally? Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I'm fond of you. That's, that's the way it actually translates. You know that I love you as a brother? No, no, Jesus is saying, are you willing to die for me? And he later makes that clear. After having denied and disobeyed Jesus, Peter could not respond with an agape love for Christ. Think about that. He's confronted with that question, and he just finished denying Christ. He just got caught disobeying Christ. He can't say, I love you with, with an agape love. It wouldn't make sense. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I'm fond of you. You know that I phileo you. And what does Jesus say? He says, then feed my lambs. See, the evidence of Peter's love for Jesus would be seen in how he acted towards God's people by feeding God's sheep. Notice that he says, feed my Lambs, they weren't Peter's. How do you act towards one another is a demonstration of your love for Christ. Says, Peter, do you love me? Then, then feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. He's, rec he's, he's recommissioning Peter. He's calling him back into the ministry. He's in a place of calling on his life. And then he says in verse 16, and he said to him again, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Do you agape me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I phileo you. Again, he responds the same way. And Jesus says, Then tend my sheep. Then tend to them. See, this again was an appropriate question. The, que the, the reason why, Peter, why Jesus asked Peter a second time, Do you love me? It was appropriate because of the many different occasions where Peter acted out of impulse and wanting to demonstrate his love for Jesus. Can you think of a time when you wanted to demonstrate your love? And sometimes that, that's, that's of works. We want to show up early. We want to serve God at a certain degree. We want to look right on the outside. We want to almost seem tough in our love for Jesus. And we're reading John chapter 18, just a few chapters prior. An example of Peter's proclaimed zeal and love for Jesus. And he acts impulsively. It says in John chapter 18 verse 11, they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is about to get arrested. And then it says, Then Peter, having the sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. Oh, I love Jesus. I'm, I'm about to show him right now how much I love him. I'm going to come and take out my sword. I'm going to defend him. I'm going to show him my love. And this was an impulsive reaction, but it was out of a genuine affection for Jesus. See, Peter had yet to understand that it was not excitement that Jesus wanted. It was commitment. And I'm going to take out my sword. There's the passion. There's the seal. There's the excitement. But there wasn't any commitment. It was not passion that Jesus longed for. It was devotion. Out of an agape love for God. Out of an agape love for Jesus. He wanted commitment. He wanted devotion. Because you loved me so much. Because you loved me unconditionally, selflessly, sacrificially. And then what do we see that Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I feel ill you. You know that I'm fond of you. You know that I love you as a brother. He could not yet respond with the same type of love that Jesus was speaking of. He could not yet respond with, yes, Lord, you know that I agape you. He could not do that. And then what does Jesus respond? Then tend my sheep. First he says, feed my lambs. Now he says, tend my sheep. See, not only was Peter's love going to be demonstrated by feeding God's sheep, but to tend to them as well. Jesus was asking Peter to exercise the office of a shepherd. We're going to see that not only was he not responsible to give 
God's people the bread of life, which he had received for the last three and a half years, spending time with Jesus. In John chapter 15, Jesus told his disciples, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. For the last three and a half years, the disciples have spent time with Jesus. They've been given the word of God. Matter of fact, Jesus is the bread of life. And they've been receiving from him. And now he says, feed my sheep, give them the bread of life. And then he says, tend to them. Not, not only was Peter now called to give God's people the bread of life, but he's also now called to attend to, to take care of carefully, to guide all those whom Jesus had shepherded for the last three years. What a calling he's placing on Peter's life now. Peter was being recommissioned to follow Jesus. He's being restored back to follow Jesus. But more specifically, he was being commissioned to be a pastor. He was, he, that's when he was almost given the ordination of a pastor. And look what it says now in verse 17. It says, and he said to him a third time, three different times. Notice the first point of tonight. A committed Christian's life is compelled by love for Christ. That's how important this question was from Jesus to Peter a third time. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. He said to him a third time, because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. See, the work that Jesus wanted to accomplish in Peter's life had not yet been accomplished. It had not yet been completed. The work of restoration, the work of recommissioning, it was not yet completed. So Jesus had to ask Peter a third time. But guess what? This third time, Jesus doesn't ask Peter, do you Agape. He actually uses the word phileo, which Peter was using. In other words, Jesus was saying, Peter, do you actually even love me like you say you do? I'm asking if you love me unconditionally. You're saying that, you, that you're fond of me, that you have brotherly affection for me. Do you actually even love me that way, Peter? We know that Jesus is persistent in accomplishing his will for our lives. He asked him three different times, do you love me? And maybe Jesus tonight is being persistent in restoring you back to Him, in restoring your devotion, your commitment back to Him. And He's asking me and you tonight a third time like He did to Peter, do you love me? He wanted to know Peter's heart. He wants to know our heart. He wants to know our commitment. And it says that Peter was grieved, right? It says in verse 17 that Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? See, Peter understood the significance of being asked a third time. It was a reminder of his recent three-time denial. Three different times, just two weeks prior, three weeks prior, Peter denies Jesus one, two, and three times. Now he's being asked by Jesus, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And it hits him like a bucket of water on his face. And it says that his heart was grieved. Peter understood this, but now Jesus was using the word phileo, which is, the, which is the love that Peter was proclaiming to have for Jesus. In other words, Jesus asked Peter, do you even have a brotherly love for me like you claim to have, Peter? You can't proclaim to agape me, to love me unconditionally, but do you even phileo me like you say you do? And it says that Peter, full of grief, was possibly reminded Thinking about Peter being asked this, he was possibly reminded of a few weeks prior when he claimed to have love so much for Jesus that he would die for him. 
Do you think that's running now through his head? And his heart probably sinks as he's being asked this a third time. And Jesus is saying, do you even filet me? You can't admit to loving me unconditionally, but do you even love me with a brotherly love? And Peter's now thinking three weeks prior, we're, we're in John chapter 13, where he says, uh, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. When Jesus was saying, I'm going, and where I'm going, you cannot go now. And, and Peter responds this way impulsively and says, why can't we follow you now? I will lay down my life for you, Jesus. And again, this is an impulsive response. But out of an affection for Jesus. He, drew, he really did have affection, a love for him. And as Peter was reminded of this, probably, as he's being asked a third time, he knew that Jesus was not fat, flattered with the proclamation of his mouth. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm going to raise my hands. I'm going to flatter the Lord with how I worship Him, with the words I say in prayer. Right? He was, Jesus was not flattered with the proclamation of His mouth. He was more concerned with the fixity of His heart for Him. With the permanence of His stance for Jesus. And we read through all the Gospels that Jesus was never flattered by lip service. He wanted to know the heart of man. Because if your heart followed Him, and so will your mouth, so will your proclamation. If you guys notice in, in, in 1 John uh, 3.18, John says, Little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. See, these were just beautiful words that Peter proclaimed. I'm going to die for you. I will die for you. I will follow you till death. And he had just finished denying him. We see that Jesus restores Peter by causing him to face his own inadequacy, his failure. And then he challenges him to set his eyes on the work ahead. Because for first he says, feed my lambs. Secondly, he says, tend my sheep, shepherd them. And lastly, he says again, feed my sheep. He challenges him now. He restores him and then he challenges him to set his eyes on the work ahead. After Peter's fall, he had to be restored. Can God, can God restore you? back into the ministry? Can God restore you back into relationship with Him? Absolutely. He's going to do it for Peter. He's doing it for Peter right now. After Peter's fall, he had to be restored. And after his restoration, he was able to be called back into the ministry. In other words, what Jesus was saying after three different times, what Jesus was saying, if you love me, give your life to shepherding my sheep. No more fishing, Peter. I just called you out of that three years ago. I show up to the Sea of Galilee and I catch you fishing. I thought I had called you from that. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep, Peter. He's calling them to this calling of pastoring, of shepherding. And notice that all three times Jesus takes ownership of his sheep, of his lambs. My sheep, my lambs. It makes you think here that if you are in ministry and you're serving God in any capacity by caring for people, whether it's adults, uh, the children's ministry, the youth, they're God's sheep, they're God's people, not ours. And you have to serve the Lord with that heart, with that in mind. And Peter remembered this. Peter knew this. This sink into Peter's heart because later in the epistle that Peter wrote, he speaks to the leaders of a church, Jewish church, Jewish leaders, Jewish Christians, and he says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2 and 3, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, 
nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Peter understood. He's being called to pastor. He's being called to tend and to feed God's people. They're not his. And there's no more games. It's no going back. Peter, do you love me enough to give your life over to my people and to leave your former life behind? Do you love me more than these? Do you agape me? And look what happens in verse 18 and 19. Look what Jesus says. Most assuredly, most assuredly means with much assurance. Listen up. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, Peter, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by the death that he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Three and a half years prior to this, Peter had heard those words as he was on the boat. And Jesus looks at him and, his disciples, and the other disciples and says, hey, leave the nets. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And he heard those same two words. Three, years, three and a half years later, he's hearing those same words again. Follow me. What does Jesus start with? Those last few words. He says, most assuredly. After Peter's restoration and the threefold, threefold charge that he's given, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, Jesus shares some closing words with Peter. And he starts off with, most assuredly, Jesus wanted to make sure that Peter remembered what he was about to tell him. He told him with great assurance. And he tells me and you the same thing, most assuredly I say to, him, to you. And he says, Peter, when you were younger, younger is, uh, is speaking in regards to Peter's past. When he, was less, when he had less responsibility than that which he was just given. Peter, when you were younger, when you weren't following me, when I had not yet called you to the calling that I'm calling you now to, when I had not yet called you to the commitment that I'm calling you to now, when you were younger, you girded yourself. When you had less responsibility, you, could, you made your own decisions. Right? And he says, uh, when Peter did as he pleased, this is the time, the time frame that Jesus is speaking about, when you were younger. I mean, even for me and yourself, can you remember when you were younger? When you, when you and I, when we girded ourselves, when we made decisions for ourselves, when we had not yet committed our life to Christ. And that is what Jesus is asking Peter to do. Remember, when you were younger, you lived this way, Peter. You girded yourself. But then he tells him what? But when you're old, you're going to stretch out your hands. And another will gird you. And another will carry you. He says, when, when, when you're older, Jesus was speaking of Peter's future. When he will no longer be the master of his own life. But he will be restrained and he will be enslaved by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says another one's going to gird you. And that another one is going to gird you and carry you to a place where you do, not, you do not want to go. And when he takes you there, you're going to be taken there with your arms stretched out. See, Peter had denied Jesus three times to save himself from the cross. But now he was being assured by Jesus that he would once again face the challenge of the cross. This time, Peter would embrace it. This time, Peter would not escape it. And he will die on the cross for his faithfulness for Jesus. How do we know that? What does it say in verse 19? This he spoke signifying by the death that he would glorify God. It says, Peter, when you were younger, you girded yourself. Now that I'm calling you to commit your life to me, another one will gird you. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to call you to serve me as a pastor, right, as a shepherd. And then he's going to call you so much to have, 
to your faithfulness and commitment to me that you're going to die with your arms stretched out, signifying of the cross. And it says this, uh, and it says in verse 19, this he spoke signifying of the death that he would glorify God. See, later, Peter would later glorify God by becoming a martyr for Jesus on a cross. And according to culture and church history, it's believed that Peter asked to be crucified upside down because he felt not worthy to die like Jesus did, to be crucified, uh, you know, with his face up. He said, I want my face down. I want to be crucified upside down. I'm not worthy to die like Jesus. We know that Peter was being called uh, to follow Christ, to commit to Christ, even unto death this time. Peter had denied Jesus three times to avoid the cross, and now Jesus is assuring him, hey, you're gonna, I'm going to take you back to the cross. This time you're not going to escape it. This time you're going to embrace it, and you're going to die on the cross, Peter. You're going to die for faithfulness to me. This time it would cost him his life. For three and a half years later, the words, follow me, were going to cost Peter his life. Look what it says now in verse 20. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, who had also leaned on his breast at the supper, and said, Lord, uh, who also had leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. See, faced, look at Peter, faced by the reality of his calling upon his life, he turns around. Have you ever turned around? He has this conversation now with Jesus, and he says, and Jesus says, Peter, you're going to die for me. You're going to follow me until you die for me. And Peter, the first thing he does is he turns around. Why would you turn around? I'm having a conversation with you, Peter. I'm recommissioning you. I'm restoring you back to fellowship with me. And it says, and Peter turning around. And he turns around and he looks at another brother. He looks at John. And John is known to be the beloved. John is known to be the disciple that would lay his, his uh, head on Peter's chest. I'm, I'm sorry, on Jesus' chest. And he looks at John the beloved. And he says, wait, wait, wait a minute, Jesus. I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. What about him? Isn't that many of us sometimes? Wait, wait a minute. Jesus, you're calling me to serve you at this capacity? You're calling me to be held at these standards? You're calling me to live in holiness and righteousness? And I can no longer do these things? And if I have to, I, I might have to die for you? What about him? What about her? What about their life? And then how does, how does Jesus respond uh, to Peter? He says... Or, or Peter, like, like many of us, when we're charged by Jesus to submit to his calling for our lives, we turn around. We find it easy to wonder, to worry about what others are doing or what is being required of them. Right? Because we don't like requirements. We don't like commitment. Peter did it. That requires too much. That's the calling of Jesus on our life. And then Jesus reinforces his calling on Peter. He says, you follow me. He says, if I want John to live until the second coming, and that would be interesting, right? Because Jesus hasn't, hasn't come in the second time. That means that John will still be here. Imagine us having church with John. That would be interesting. That would be funny, right? But Jesus is just being almost sarcastic. He says, Peter, if I want him to live until I come back again, what is that to you? Who cares? You follow me. He calls him back. He's recommissioning. See, Peter was going to have to decide for himself. 
for his very own life alone, just like me and you do, not for anybody else's. If he was going to be obedient and content to follow Jesus without worrying about anyone else. That's the calling that me and you have. This brings us to the last characteristic that defines a committed Christian. A committed Christian lives a life that is content to follow Jesus, to obey him, no matter what. It's a love, it's a calling to love Christ, it's a calling to sacrifice for Christ, and it's a calling to obey him, to follow him, no matter what. See, as we walk with the Lord, God wants us, wants to take us from zealousness to seriousness. It's very easy to be zealous and be excited, right? He wants to take us from excitement to commitment, from being passionate to being devoted. I mean, if it was easy for Peter to do that, when he actually lived with Jesus, how, easy, how much easier is it for us? And Jesus wants to take us from being flattering with our mouths to being focused in our hearts for him. And the same thing that Jesus told Peter, he tells you and I. When he hits him with this reality of following him. Because you and I, we, were, we are going to follow and serve what or who we love. And that's why he asked him three times, do you love me? Me and you, we're going to sacrifice for what or who we love. We're going to follow what or who we love and we're going to sacrifice. Ask yourself those questions. Who do I love? What am I sacrificing for? Is it your calling of God on your life? Is it for Jesus? This same calling that Peter was charged with, me and you are challenged with today. It's a call to love, it's a call to sacrifice, and it's a call to obey. How will you respond? And do you, like Peter, today need to recommit your life to Christ? Do you need to be restored back to Christ? And I challenge you and I encourage you that if that's something that you need to do, that you do that even tonight. That you do that in your personal time, and if you need to do that here at church, that you would come to speak to someone and get prayed for. Because God wants to restore you. God wants to recommission you. God wants to bring you back to the ministry. But this calling to serve Him is not easy. Uh, but it's a serious calling. It's a, it's a calling to love Him unconditionally. Again, it's a calling to sacrifice for Him. And it's a calling to obey Him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word, God. We thank you for the life of Peter, Lord, because we get to glean and learn so much from him in his life, God, as he, out of his love and heart and zeal for you, Lord, he acted, Lord, he said things, God, impulsively maybe, and out of zeal. But Lord, we don't just want to be excited, we want to be committed, God. We don't just want to be people with zealousness, we want to have seriousness. We want to have maturity. We don't just want to be passionate, Lord. We want to be devoted. And we don't just want to flatter you with our words. But we want to be fixed up on our heart, God. In our stance with you, Lord. And today you call us like you do to Peter. You're calling us to love you unconditionally. It's a calling to sacrifice and a calling to obey. We ask, God, that we would submit to your calling in our lives, Lord. We would take it seriously, God. And if today we need to be restored back to you, we ask, Lord, that we would come to the feet of Jesus. And that we, like Peter, Lord, that we wouldn't worry about what you're requiring of anyone else or what anyone else is doing. That we would simply be obedient to the two words 
that you started and finished uh, your ministry with Peter, which is follow me. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen.